Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, we'll see if anybody pops in. Uh, okay, well, this is... That is a loud car outside. That was a loud car. This is the first attempt at um, the Minnesota official, the Minnesota Entertainment official webcast. <laughs> Meow. Yes. Uh, podcast show where we're going to talk about Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Blade Runner, the original movie, the 2049 or whatever the new one's called is, just came out. And it had been a while since I watched Blade Runner. So I figured, hey, let's watch it. And um, I was a fan of the original. Oh, my name's Peter, by the way. I'm Peter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hey. I'm Rachel. Okay. Hey, <laughs> hey Rachel. Um, and so I, I watched the original a long time ago. Um, but it'd been a while, so um, and I don't think you had ever seen it, right? I had never seen it. Okay. No. Yeah, it'd been. I, I saw it when I was a kid, so uh, so we decided to watch it. The um, we watched the final cut because there was like a bunch of different versions. Um, we watched the final cut version on Amazon, which I understand is um, different from the original because. Uh, the original version had a voiceover with Harrison Ford, which they, which apparently is terrible, but I think that's the version I watched when I was a kid, but I can't remember it. So um, that one did not have a voiceover. And I think from what I read, the ending to this um, was more ambiguous than the original. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we tried to watch it the other day. It took me about half an hour to finally get the thing <laughs> going. <laughs> Cause I was trying to stream it from Chromecast and like trying to like get my old computer running on the thing. And, um, it just didn't work. Right. Yeah. It, it took a long time. I had some real good, real good time hanging out with your dog though. <laughs> so, right. so right. it was a great evening for me, but, right. but yeah, that's a uh, minute. <laughs> Yeah, it took a minute. So it's available on Amazon. Um, I think I bought the thing 10 bucks. So, uh, you can watch it that way or check it out from your library or it's on sci-fi, I think, which is where I was trying to stream it from, but no luck. So that's where you can find the movie. Um, so, well, let's just jump into the plot, right? Okay. How about that? Sounds good. Okay, so the plot of this is much more simple than I remember. Um, Ridley Scott directed this movie. Uh, it was shot. In, it, it came out in 1982, so this is post Star Wars, post American Graffiti, mm -hmm. Harrison Ford, um, Rucker Howard, Sean Young, Edward James Olmos are in the movie, um, and it's based on do androids dream of electric sheep? The uh, the novel by Philip K. Dick. Um, and it's set in Los Angeles in 2019, which is coming up. Yeah. So Los <laughs> Angeles might look like an anime version of Tokyo pretty soon. <laughs> I mean, I'm there for that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, so, I mean, the plot, like I said, it, uh, was more simplistic than I remember. 
Uh, Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford's character, is a former police officer. He was a Blade Runner, which means uh, android hunter. And um, there's a beginning scroll that tells you how the androids uh, began some kind of revolt and started to kill people. So they needed android hunters um, called Blade Runners to track these replicants down. So they're not called androids. They're called replicants. Um, and to retire them. Um, so the film starts where we see Leon, right? Um, uh, who we don't know is a replicant yet, but he is, he will be. He'll, he's getting a test administered by by a Blade Runner, I'm assuming. Um, uh, another sort of gruff-looking guy smoking, and he asks him, I think the question that he asks him is, he says, if you're in a desert and you see a tortoise come up to you, I guess it's not really a question. He says, you're in a desert, you see a tortoise come up to you, and you flip it over on its back and you watch it die, basically. And that sort of drives Leon crazy and he shoots the guy. Yeah, because uh, it triggers an emotional response. And um, like they're not right. so great with all of the feelings. Oh, and I think the, the story is that you come up to a tortoise and it's on its back. Why aren't you helping it? Oh, you're right. Yep. Why aren't you helping it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, Leon shoots the guy and runs away. And um, then uh, Deckard's, I guess, um, old cop buddy calls him in to find um, these other Nexus 6 replicants, uh, Roy Batty, Zora, Pris, and Leon. Right? I think that's mm -hmm. all of them, right? Yeah, there's four. Um, yeah. So, the the guy informs him that there's a um, replicant at the Tyrell Corporation um, and the the guy Eldon Tyrell, who's this science looking guy, probably some kind of uh, rip off of anime. I think we determined, right? Yeah, with those giant glasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it makes his head look really tiny. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he says, "Hey, before you do it, do the test on an on a replicant." How about you try it on a real person? And he, referring to Sean Young, says, hey, how about you try it out on Sean Young? And he, the, there's like a montage where he apparently asks her questions for hours. And um, at the end, she leaves and Harrison Ford says, that's a replicant. Um, and so there you go. Um, then, and I'm kind of speeding through this at this point, but like record uh, Deckard searches Leon's hotel room um, and finds photos and syn synthetic uh, snake skin. Right. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, they show, they show Roy Batty played by Rucker Hauer and Leon um, investigating some kind of eye manufacturing lab laboratory and learn of this guy, J.F. Sebastian, who will lead them to Tyrell. Um, I'm going to speed through the rest of this, but yeah, uh, along the way, 
Deckard kills Leon. Um, Deckard kills Pris, who and, is well first first Zora. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Zora. Because Pris, Pris is uh, uh, Daryl Hannah's character, right? Yep. Yeah. She's the pleasure um, bot. <laughs> that's right. She's the pleasure <laughs> bot. Yeah. So the the entire plot is basically that Deckard is tracking down these Nexus Six robots, and um, they in turn are trying to find Tyrell. Uh, but it's never really super made clear why. Ultimately, well, they, go ahead. Oh, they they want longer life because the the um the replicants can only live four years. Because oh, if right. they live longer than that, um, they found that they they're they would learn how to have feelings, mm-hmm. and it would get too complicated, um, and they would start to like misfire. And so um, the replicants now come pre-programmed with a four-year lifespan um, to avoid them learning how to feel, <laughs> and uh, and so they were trying to find Tyrell. Um, to reprogram them so that they could live longer lives because they were starting to get feelings and mm-hmm. they wanted to survive. They wanted to live. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and along the way, Leon gets killed. Uh, Zora gets killed. Pris gets killed. <laughs> and um, they they ultimately find... Tyrell, where um, Roy Batty kills Tyrell because Tyrell basically so said said he couldn't do it, right? He said he couldn't extend their life. Yeah, that basically, like, once the programming is in place and they're turned on, like, the cells can only do what they've been programmed to do. They can't be reprogrammed at that point. Right, yeah. And then Rucker Hauer, Rucker Hauer's character in this pretty gruesome scene like just just squashes Tyrell's mm-hmm. eyeballs out um so which gross. is have you seen that you've seen that game of thrones episode where basically yeah. that, that, <laughs> the mountain was the mountain right yeah where the mountain does yeah. that to what's his name yeah um the dornish guy yeah yeah and then he well, kills jf sebastian um, which we don't see on screen, but they just say that he's dead, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Pris and uh, Roy Batty are the only ones left alive, and Harrison Ford is fighting Pris and has to kill her. I think he shoots her, right? Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, and she does the android spastic freakout that um, Ridley Scott is famous for. I don't know if he's famous for that, <laughs> but he used it in the original Alien too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's an extended sort of chase fight scene that's really trippy, and ultimately Roy Batty dies. Um, Harrison Ford gets his hand all messed up, twisted and broken by Roy Batty, and. Harrison Ford goes back to his apartment and runs away with Rachel. And there's a little origami unicorn left there, um, which is to imply like, 
Okay. Well, anyway, we can get into the implications in a second, but yeah. that's the gist of the movie, right? Yeah. More or less. Yep. Oh, and uh, yeah, just one, I think, um, note is that Roy, when Roy dies, uh, he's, um, he shuts down. He hasn't, he isn't killed by Harrison Ford. And we see this kind of like throughout the movie where he's like, his hands start like not working as well. So he's right. clearly at the very end of his four years. And, um, and so he just, he gives this like monologue about how his memories will be lost in time, like tears and rain. And then he just like shuts down. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how, how do we feel about this movie? Like just first, let's say, you know, if we liked it or didn't like it, and then let's get into some of the finer points of it. How did you feel about it? Um, I really liked it. I think it really holds up. Like, even though it was made, I think it was made before I was, yeah, the year before I was born, 1982. Um, I really liked it. I really got into it and was able to sort of be immersed. Um, yeah, it, it didn't feel like the shots and stuff didn't feel like a movie from 1982, I think. the Although the, right. the soundtrack by Vangelis did sort of, um, make it feel like 1982. But then again, I've seen some, some like retro futuristic movies lately mm-hmm. and they, and they sort of want to have that super synthed out feel. So even that didn't completely date it. Right. And I feel like the music sort of helped cultivate the whole like neo noir vibe mm-hmm. that they were, they, they were going for. Um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't mind the music e- either. Some of the except during like the few the very few romantic scenes. Ugh, then it yeah. was like that is some 80s saxophone mm-hmm. happening right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but uh but yeah, overall I was I was super I was super into this movie. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I liked it. I liked it overall. Um there were parts that I did not like, but the things I did like about it were like the, the shots look amazing. Um, and there's the pacing in this movie is really good. Uh, like even the scene where, where Harrison Ford is just manipulating that picture and trying to find the, find the, the mirror, you know, Mm -hmm. that, I, there's no reason that that scene should be as compelling as it is today when we can, um, manipulate everything, <laughs> right? Like, right. <laughs> we have all of these image manipulation things. So watching somebody zoom in and zoom out of a picture, it, it shouldn't be as compelling as it is, but, but it was really interesting. Like, the, the, like, the framing of the shot and like the, the chunking sound that the, that the computer makes when it's like zooming in and out was like really satisfying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like those, uh, those old printers. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. The, right. uh, Oh, what are they called? I can't remember. The ones that, like, uh, the the ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with, with the, you have to, the, the corrugated part that you have to peel off on the side. Yep. Yep. Like it would come off of the, uh, <laughs> come out of the grooves or whatever <laughs> and then you have to reset it what's what's really yeah. funny is like that's what technology sounds like to me 
Yeah. Like that's wait, 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 expound on that. So, um, like, it's funny. The, like the dot matrix printer sound is both dated, but also it's very connected to this idea of like super high tech in my brain mm-hmm. because okay. that's like, it was like the official printer. Uh, like when, when our classrooms like first got c- computers and stuff. Yeah. I think maybe just cause it's so connected to my, um, mental image or my memories of my first exposures to computer, to computers. Um, yeah. And so like, you know, you know, something important is happening if that dot matrix printer noise is happening. <laughs> <laughs> like that's serious stuff. Uh, the, you know, there's like, <laughs> There's a trend in sci-fi, too, where either things are, like, overly complicated and mechanical, and that's what the future is about. Um, And I'm not talking about, like, dirty sci-fi, because that's sort of a subset of, like, over-mechanized. And then there's, like, sci-fi where you get far enough into the future, and it's, like, Star Trek The Next Generation or 2001, and, like... Everything is oval shaped. Even like finding a door is impossible because there's no seams anywhere. You know? Does that make sense? Uh, my computer cut out, so. Oh. <laughs> I'm back now. Oh. Oh, okay. I I was saying uh, there's like there's like two types of sci-fi. There's like over mechanized and then like hyper streamlined. So mm-hmm. it's like. Things are either like super, super mechanical or it's like there's no seams on anything. It's like it's like Star Trek The Next Generation. Things appear out of nowhere or like 2001 where you can't even find a seam for a door. Yeah. And yet for me, I I want I want the over mechanized future. I do not want (laughs) the like things appear out of thin air future. Sure. Um, yeah, so for me, I want that, uh, that, like, chunky, like, noise that it makes when you zoom in and out of a picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene was just, it was really cool. And, um, it, it might be one of my favorite scenes that Ridley Scott has directed. It's just that one scene, just, like, him playing around with that thing, trying to find, like, zoom in on a picture. Um, yeah, I liked that part. I really liked, um, Edward James Olmos's character. Uh, mm-hmm. what was his name? Do you remember? It was, um, Gaff. Gaff. That's right. That's right. Gaff. Um, so fancy. <laughs> yeah. He was, he, yeah. He was like a snappy dresser and he pulled off like Edward James almost is just cool i think mm-hmm. no matter yeah. what movie he's in he's just like <laughs> so cool um and and despite him not being like a classically looking person right because he's got like mm-hmm. pits in his face i mean sorry if that's if that's insensitive but it, like i'm pretty sure that's got to be from like acne when he was a kid right yeah so oh, for and, sure and so that in itself you would think this person is not going to be a famous actor but like it works like it works into his characters somehow it just looks cool um right 
Yeah, it, and it makes him look tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of like a, Danny Trejo has that sort of same effect as well. Like the, it just looks like uh, his skin has been through stuff. Right. So he's this like tough looking guy, but he is, his clothing is impeccable. You can tell he pays a lot of attention to his style. He's got this cane and he has blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the implication is that he has purchased new eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Just because we, there's that part where we, um, we meet the, the guy who designs eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, I mean, he does some design work for the Tyrell Corporation, but he's also running this kind of underground, uh, you know, street vendor situation mm-hmm. with making eyeballs in his frozen lab. Mm-hmm. So it seems that would be the kind of thing I would think that people would would buy who are interested in fashion. They might get new eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the did you think because the they leave, what I like about this movie is that they they leave a lot of things ambiguous, mm-hmm. and that's certainly one reading of it. And I don't I don't see anything that would betray that. But mm-hmm. I think what people that what people genu- generally um, think about Gaff's, Gaff's character is that he's also a replicant. Oh, you, sure. Um, yeah, just because he's making all those little he's, he keeps making those little origami things and leaving them all over the place, and, um, and I mean, so I perfect. guess yeah, and he doesn't show any emotions, but but like. Not many people in the movie show emotions, so um, right. I'm pretty sure that, that that's the common reading of it, is that Gaff is supposed to be an android. Okay, uh, that makes sense. How did you think, so how how do we feel here in 2017 about um, uh, Edward James Olmos, who I'm pretty sure is a Hispanic actor, playing uh somebody who's supposed to be japanese i'm pretty sure because he only speaks japanese maybe a few words of english but how did you read that was he supposed to be a japanese character or how did what did you think about that oh i didn't huh i actually didn't um pick pick up on that um okay because it could be that he's it could be that he's that he's supposed to be a japanese character or it also could just be like like they're leaning heavily on this on the Japanese influences in that movie, so they could just be implying like, look, like Japanese is becoming the it's becoming the 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 normalized language here in LA. I don't know. What do you um, think? Well, yeah, actually, so um, I just looked up a little bit more about Gaff, and apparently the language he's speaking is not Japanese. Um, oh, interesting. It's called okay. City Speak. Oh, okay. Um, so you speak gutter talk, a mishmash of Japanese, Spanish, German, what have you. Um, so this is a, uh, yeah, so this is a quote, um, from the voiceover that we missed <laughs> watching the final cut. Okay. That gibberish he talked with city speak, gutter talk, a mishmash of Japanese, Spanish, German, and what have you. I didn't really need a translator. I knew the lingo. Every good cop did. But I wasn't going to make it easier for him. Right. Okay. So um, in, addi- in addition to Japanese, Spanish, and German, almost also used elements of Hungarian, Chinese, and French. The other streak dialogue in the film uses Korean. Hmm. 
Okay. So, and that was the kind of the feeling that I got was that it wasn't necessarily that he was Japanese, but that he was so familiar with the the local language, whatever was being used, and that's what he spoke in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. What's actually really cool is much of the city speak used in the film was devised by Almos during background research for his character. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, the I'm I'm trying I've read the the novel before and I'm trying to remember I don't think like Ridley Scott took a lot of um liberties with the movie and changed the story around a lot from from mm-hmm. the way the novel is and I'm pretty sure like I'm pretty sure that there wasn't that sort of language in the in the novel but I like that one of the things I like the most about this is just the whole like the, that whole city stuff and and yeah it's like it just evokes like this really cool feeling that I feel like started cyberpunk to a certain mm-hmm. degree um but you know I don't want to give Ridley Scott too much credit because I'm pretty sure he grabbed a lot of that stuff from anime that had been doing similar things for a long time so um yeah, but still, it was really cool. And I and I think like I said when you and I were watching it, that scene with the the flying like cop car next to the big lit up uh mm-hmm. billboard, the Japanese woman eating food. It's like somebody saw that minute worth of film and was like, "Okay, that we're going to like make so many movies that look like this, like this <laughs> element and um yeah, etc. like a, like a whole bunch of of sci-fi movies. Um, yeah, okay, so that's Gaff's character. Um, the, so Daryl Hannah's character was kind of, um, like you said, a sex bot. I felt like she was like Harley Quinn. Who else did we say when we were watching it? Oh, um, gosh, I can't remember now. Yeah, I, I, she... Yeah, I can't remember either. Um, but yeah, she just sort of that like, like primal, crazy kind of like. It's unclear if she's actually ditzy or if she's just being ditzy for the sake of J.F. Sebastian to try and manipulate him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <clears throat> um, she was pretty cool. I felt like she could have done more, and I, I I felt like that with a lot of the characters, like like. I, I found myself saying, why did, there's no reason to kill these things. Um, maybe I'm jumping ahead in, in the talking points, but like, Deckard killing those things? I, I, I was not very sympathetic to that at all. I mean, uh, they killed, like eventually Roy kills Tyrell, and I guess Leon did kill that, did kill that first guy, but, I don't know. Like, why you don't need to you don't need to kill these things. At least lock <laughs> them up, and they'll die in four years. Yeah, yeah. That that had occurred to me too. It's like if you just leave them alone to kind of do their thing, they'll eventually just shut down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I guess it's because they were um on Earth illegally. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But yeah, I don't. I mean. I wasn't, ultimately, I was not very sympathetic towards Rick Deckard's character. 
Um, and I, that ties into another thing, um, in the mm-hmm. interest of time, maybe I'll jump to it. That, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is every Harrison Ford movie from the 80s, like, why does it have to have, a, like, a shitty pseudo-rape scene involved? Right? <laughs> like. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. And I forget. I, I think it's a, a writer for Cracked. I can't remember his name, but it, I think a writer for Cracked, like, has a video essay or article about this, how, like, if you just base um, if a if a person if a male were to base his dating habits off of purely Harrison Ford movies from the eighties, um, <laughs> then it's like oh, no wonder we have to teach people that consent is a thing. Like that that scene was just super uncomfortable. Where you know it's just the without belaboring all the points on it, it's just like he he forces himself on this person on Rachel the the who turns out to be a replicant. Um, and forces himself on her and she does like the standard, no, no, no. Yes. Finally. Okay. Finally I'll give him and say yes. Right. Because that's what she wanted this whole time is the, the implication. I mean, so I'm a dude and that makes me feel uncomfortable, um, Mm -hmm. to watch and it makes me feel terrible, uh, for anybody that's in that situation. I don't know. Do you have more to say about that part? I just, I really didn't like it. Yeah, it was uh, it was very strange, and that's it was it's a pretty common trope in a lot of romance movies, where even on like a lighter scale, the couple will be arguing, mm-hmm. and she'll like the woman will get mad and she'll start like hitting the guy or something, and then he'll just like hold her real tight, and then Ugh. like. Next thing you know, they're both they're making out. Um, and what's what's strange is that watching it was not super uncomfortable for me because it's just such a common trope in the in movies. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, oh no, but oh no, she actually does want it. Okay. Um, though I do have to say, this one she usually. Um, the woman sounds much happier about it mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end, whereas like in this one, she still sounded like, "No, I want you." <laughs> right? Yeah, because like, yeah, that's right. He's like, telling her what to say, and I don't know. Like, ugh, is I, if maybe maybe I'm not giving Ridley Scott enough credit. Like, maybe we are supposed to feel uncomfortable because it's maybe. like. It's like a robot, and he's te- like he's telling this robot what to do, so she has to listen to him or something. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and maybe we are supposed to feel super uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know. It weren't good. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Either way, it's it's using a kind of rapey scene to further the development of a male character. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. I mean, and the and. Ugh. There, there's no way to there, there. I don't feel like like if somebody were to take the counter argument, you could be like, well, this is them trying to further the development of this android who's figuring her sexuality out or something like 
to that, I would say it doesn't work like that. <laughs> well, and, and like going forward, like the rest of the movie, any interaction you see that's supposed to be romantic mm-hmm. in any way just feels really like, well, this is my life now, like on her part. <laughs> oh, God, it's so I true. I mean, part of that is she's very um, flat emotionally for the whole movie, like yeah. even before they get together. Yeah. And I think some of that is supposed to imply, like, what humanity is like at this point. Mm. That her having that flat emotional state wasn't immediately, <laughs> um, uh, you know, didn't immediately cue Harrison Ford in that she was a replicant. Mm-hmm. Which means a lot of people just, like, exist in this, like, flat state. Oh, yeah, that's a good Plus, point. Yeah. Uh this is kind of a film noir thing anyway, like the cool, mm-hmm. like disinterested hot lady or whatever. I, yeah, there's, I feel like I've, I've read, yeah, there, there's, there's different types of, um, there's different types of, of like female, female characters in, in noir and pulp and stuff. And some are like that. Some are like the, the femme fatale who are like, super conniving and ultimately lead to the death or whatever of, of the PI or whoever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I hear you. Yeah. There's, there's, um, there's different, there's, it's definitely saying something. Um, and if we wanted to really read into it, we could say, Oh, look, like the two characters that are like, the two female characters that wind up dead horrifically because that scene where Zora got killed again, like with Zora, she didn't do anything at least that we saw. Yeah. She's just trying to like make a living. She's do she's dancing with this snake. And there was like some, <laughs> I don't know if they were implying that she was having sex with the snake on stage. Remember we were like, Oh yeah. What like, are they talking about? From the serpent. And we're like, um, she's hugging it. <laughs> They're just hugging. Yeah, just yeah that's hugging. true. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and like her and the and Daryl Hannah's character are both like m- more sexual than Sean Young, and they both wind up dead. Yeah. So that's what you get. That's what you get for being a sexual woman. <laughs> that's it. Yep. Uh, yeah. So not my favorite. Those that that part was not my favorite. Um. But, uh, and yeah, so I didn't like that part. I really, I think, I think the whole movie is meant to be ambiguous morally to a degree because mm-hmm. ultimately I think we're left with the question of is Harrison Ford a replicant or not? And like, right. there's that extended unicorn scene in the version that we saw. And then he finds a unicorn made by Gaff at the end and runs away with Sean Young. Um, so I'm pretty sure we're, we're supposed to understand, like, Deckard is a replicant. Now, I haven't seen, uh, the new, the new Blade Runner, so maybe there, there's more, like, there's more to say about that stuff then. Um, I guess mm-hmm. we'll find out. Yeah. Something's gotta be done, cause I think Sean Young is in the new one, and she's still alive, and it's supposed to be Blade Runner 2049, so, that's mm-hmm. 30 years later. Um, right. Yeah, so I guess we'll find out when we watch that. Uh, but yeah, so I think we're supposed to, I think we're supposed to feel ambiguous about, about Deckard's character. 
Um, and I do like some parts I was sympathetic towards him, but overall I, I wasn't really, even though I liked Harrison Ford's performance in it, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that end scene too, like the, that was one of the most bizarre action scenes I've ever seen with like Roy Batty shoving his face through like plaster walls and like saying crazy things. Um, yeah. made me think like Rutger, Rutger Hauer could have played a good Joker maybe like, in 1989 sure i don't know how how did you feel about it yeah i i really enjoyed it because uh i like i was pretty sure harrison ford characters survived (laughs) because Mm -hmm. the new movie Mm -hmm. um but uh i really didn't know how it was going to play out and so it was um it stayed intense for that whole scene Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, there was a I'm trying to think of what what else I was gonna say about it. Um, yeah, it was really intense. It was really scary. I remember watching a good portion of it like through my hand. Yeah, yeah I looked over. <laughs> yeah, especially at the the Tyrell yeah, during the Tyrell part. Oh where, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, or when, when, like, he was breaking his hand when oh, Roy Batty yeah. was breaking Harrison Ford's hand. Ugh. I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also, like, incredibly atmospheric. Cause that's another thing that this movie does really well is the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that was so much of the intensity and it was raining and it was dark and everything was slippery and, all of a sudden, Harrison Ford is like climbing on the outside of a building, and I'm like, "No, what are you doing? Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't." Uh, yeah, with his broken right. hand. And, yeah. Uh, oh, climbing with his broken hand was driving me up the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that scene was very like um, it referenced Vertigo a lot. I think you've seen that movie, right? I have not. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's there's a. I'm pretty sure it was a direct reference to Vertigo because there there's a scene on Vertigo where they're chasing each other over, or um, Jimmy Stewart's character is chasing this mm-hmm. this uh, um, criminal of some type over over rooftops and goes to jump and and misses and is hanging on to the edge and like in the process this cop that was with him mm-hmm. also tries to jump and completely misses and falls to his death. So, okay. So that's why, thus the name. Like that's where Jimmy Stewart gets Vertigo from. From, okay. from all of that. Um. But yeah, yeah. It, it was that. That was really cool. Yeah. It the the fight I think drug on a little long, but um mm-hmm. I didn't get super bored. Like when I'm watching like some Marvel movie or something, when I just don't understand. Like, oh, they're still fighting. Like it didn't feel like that. Because, <laughs> Because um, because uh, Roy was saying all the crazy stuff that he was saying, which I can't even remember mm-hmm. at this point. I just know it was like weird philosophical like stuff about like killing his creator, you know, like yeah, what the hell? Well, and you know, I wonder that that makes sort of an interesting point, like. Um, I know they start to shut down after four years because they're programmed, but you know, if this is what happens when they start to develop feelings and they don't know how to 
handle them. Um, oh, that was one thing uh, that Tyrell said was that, um, and eventually something that um, Ford's character had to convince Rachel, um, was that the new replicants that they were making had implanted memories mm, right. because it made it, uh, it made it so that they could deal with emotions, um, and made them easier to control mm-hmm. because you get these four replicants who are like just learning about feelings and clearly Roy Beatty is just going nuts. Like he is, he is losing any sort of, um, He's losing his connection to reality and he's like kind of going down this philosophical tunnel and is just obsessed with, um, getting more life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, what, what I also really enjoyed about that end scene now that I'm thinking back about it is how at the end Harrison Ford is just sort of like, uh, what? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like it's not like good. He's dead. It's just like how did I survive that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Oh. Okay. Um. And he gets like kind of shaky. That was one thing that he did. Um. They tried to play up after he killed each of the replicants. He would get shaky. Like. He didn't actually like killing them. Yeah. He was just trying to do his job. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like what, uh, and I like what that, that, you know, sort of the, the theme of all of the, like, one of the themes is, like, this corporation is so huge, and, you know, depending on which side we look at it, like, like, if we are the replicants, if, like, replicants are examples of us, you know, then it's, it's, you know, saying, even if we're screwed either way, if we don't mm-hmm. rely on these corporations to like give us the sentimentality that we need to survive, then we go crazy. So mm-hmm. it's either like submit to the fake memories that get put upon us by, by these like, you know, forces that are bearing down on us or resist and just go nuts anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's uh, that theme that that sort of like theme of our creators screwed up big time and we're we are mistakes basically <laughs> that that's that's a thread that runs through um the alien movies too mm-hmm. you know like especially in prometheus which i know is not a great movie but i liked it just for the sheer um just spectacle of the thing um sure yeah i i like that movie a lot uh just for that, like there's plot holes all over the place, but um, <laughs> it was it was pretty good. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, where do you think? Um, oh, and we said we determined that Sean Yun has Tumblr eyebrows, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, because they're they're real furry. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay. Real like wide and like extended. <laughs> right. Like they're extended out past where her natural eyebrows ended. She just like her, her whole getup. It was, it was like that. Like her hair was sort of like out, like in this weird, like bun thing. And like her dresses and stuff had those huge collars and like, it was very like queen like. Um, a lot of her attire was very much, of um, a callback to 40, the style of the forties. Oh, okay. 
Um, okay. Like the shoulder pads. Like that was very much the silhouettes of the 40s. Yeah, and 80s were super pro uh, shoulder pads, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And her, her hair, too. Um, I think you could call those victory curls or victory <laughs> rolls. Right. Right. Um, I think you're right. But yeah, and that was sort of like also to lean into the, um, you know, film noir feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think, so one of the questions I thought we could answer is where do you think this, this fits in, in the rank of like sci-fi heavyweights, like, like 2001, Star Wars, I guess we could throw Alien in there too, you know, um, mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, well, I think there's there's two ways to look at that. I think there's in terms of like film quality, mm-hmm. and then there's also in terms of like cultural significance. Mm-hmm. Because I think this movie, along with um, the book Neuromancer, really um, started you know uh, our love affair with the dystopian cyberpunk thing Mm -hmm. um but i think i think uh i think it was a really good movie it's maybe not my favorite movie Mm -hmm. but um i think it was really good and i think it was um it had a a really big impact on society so i'd I'd put it up there with with i think star wars and aliens Mm mm-hmm yeah, I I think I agree with what you said. It's it definitely is it's it's more artsy, I think, than mm-hmm. obviously like Star Wars or um uh it it feels more artsy than Star Wars and to a degree it feels a little more artsy than even um Alien. Yeah. Because Alien was like sci-fi slash horror. So I feel like people watch that movie and horror movies are not ambiguous. Like maybe to a certain degree they are, but like in general, I feel like it, that movie's creepy as hell, but you know who the, you know, who the, the villain is like once, once it all gets revealed to you, you're it's like jump scares and like the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, because it is like, if I didn't have the internet I, and like read about this stuff, I don't know that I would have like come up with those questions of like, is, are they trying to give us that question of is Harrison Ford a replicant or not? Mm-hmm. Like I, I probably would have, um, but it might take me a, a couple viewings to figure it out, you know? So it, I feel like it's up there like you said, culturally with like Star Wars and stuff, but I feel like it's next to all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I wonder once I get to see the the new one, I wonder if they're going to like action movie it up, you know, like this one, this one, while there was like action scenes, it didn't feel like an action movie. Really. It was right. lots of like plotting and like, like science fiction drama. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and you know, Again, the the photograph scene, like lots of weird chunking noises and, and you know, yeah. just, viscerally, just viscerally showing things at you and not necessarily like trying to hammer through the plot. Um, right. 
Yeah. So I wonder if this new one is going to take on the same pacing or if they're going to change up the pacing and make it like, I don't know. Like I haven't read anything about it. I'm not going to until I see it, but um, yeah, but, but yeah, it's pretty high up there for me. I think I like alien a little bit better. Yeah. I like alien better than, than this movie for sure, but I like aspects of this movie a whole lot. So, yeah. Well, and I, I'm really into the whole cyberpunk thing. I think it's really cool. Um, Neuromancer is, I don't know, maybe one of my favorite books. It's it's just really cool, and it digs into a lot of really interesting stuff about people and how brains is, work and how society is. Is and, that is Neuromancer? Uh, that's William Gibson, right? Okay. Yeah. I always yep. get William Gibson and the other guy. Um, it's that other. Uh, Snow Crash. Mm. I get him confused. Neil Stevenson. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm making a bad noise. I like <laughs> William Gibson's novels. I don't always understand them, but I cannot stand Neil Stevenson. <laughs> no, thank you. I feel like he's just what? smirking the entire time he's writing. <laughs> Neil Stevenson. Yeah, well, plus, I don't know. I feel like the 80s were sort of like the golden era for good cyberpunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or maybe now uh, you could do some cool stuff, but the 90s, I'm I'm mostly just a little suspect of like anything that came out to the 90s. Anything? Aw, oh, there's some good stuff that came out in the 90s. There was some good stuff. Um, Dark City, have you ever seen that? No. It's like the precursor to The Matrix, basically. Oh, oh okay. man. Ooh, that movie, that movie's solidly in the 90s and super good. It's like it, the Dark City is like a combination between The Crow and The Matrix. Okay. I've seen like, neither of those movies. Oh, <laughs> man. Maybe we got to watch those on Meow. Soon. There we go. It's a good plan. Um, oh, uh, one thing I had meant to, to mention earlier when we were talking about whether or not the movie was dated was that the one thing. Um, and I think I mentioned this while we were watching it. The one thing that actually dated the movie for me was the smoking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. People smoking inside of buildings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. It's. Yeah. You don't see that much anymore unless it's Mad Men. <laughs> right. But then it's like it's like a callback, but like futuristic stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she's smoking in in the office like it's nothing. Right. And like in, in the very first scene where um the guy is uh interviewing the replicant and he's smoking and there's like smoke everywhere. And I mean yeah. some of that yes is like the film noir thing, but Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it was good. Now they don't now they don't if the movie was made today they would all be vaping. That's true. Ugh. <laughs> the worst. Ugh. Well all right, I'm going to call it on this one. So, okay. Is this one good, you think? This one's good. Good movie talk. Okay, thanks for listening slash watching the Minnesota Entertainment official webcast. Meow. Okay, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do this again, probably. Thanks. Yes. Okay, talk to you later, Rachel. Bye. All right, bye, Peter. Bye. Bye.